This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Now, if you were here back in late October, we started Philippians, and uh, Philippians' first sermon of the series was called calling us saints, and the Lord is calling us to, or the Paul was talking to the church about living up to the name saints. The second sermon, or the second week, uh, if we were put on trial today, would there be enough evidence to convict us as true followers of Jesus? Could a court convict us of being a true follower of Jesus? The third sermon was about, are you cooperating with the Holy Spirit? Week four was, Mature Christians don't ask, why me? But they also ask the Lord, how can I respond to my situation that brings you the greatest glory? The fifth sermon series, what are you willing to risk? Your full God-given potential and destiny, are you willing to risk being uncomfortable or being comfortable, leaving that behind and stepping forward into being uncomfortable? The sixth sermon series was joy is a decision that's not based on circumstances. That's what I'm praying for, for our church up the street. Week seven was forget what was in the past. We all know that bad stuff happens to all of us, and and bad stuff happens to good people. Uh, So, but we're going to strain to finish and finish strong. We're going to press forward to finish strong. And we will hunger and thirst after God. Week eight was, uh, you remember, just a few weeks ago, conflict needs to be dealt with because it affects all of us. It affects me and you. When we're in conflict, it affects the family. And then last week, we talked about we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But remember, that's not a mantra. It's not a little saying that we say, a rub a genie, to somehow change the circumstances we're in. It doesn't mean you can climb the, uh, the, the tallest wall. It doesn't mean you can break through walls. It, it really wasn't meaning that. What it was saying is that in spite of the circumstances, including suffering and hardship, that God can be there with us. No matter if I'm hungry or full, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then at the end of last week, We talked about living a conflict-free life is not necessarily the best thing for us. And we we talked about the lion in the zoo, about the fat lion in the zoo. And so the Lord wants to help us grow up. And and as we're going through Philippians, which is a beautiful book, we're we're done today. This will be our last week in Philippians. God knows what's best for our soul life. And so back to, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And sometimes we have to deal with adversity. Um, Sometimes you you think, well, if I could just get this, if I can just get that, if only. And we talked about the if only people. If only I had more money. If I only had this. If I only had a a better job. I'm telling you, that's not going to bring you that joy that you think it will. That peace that it, it will, you think it will. So now we are here on our last week, and it's our title for, because Natalie always asks me for a title. I'm like, I, I don't know. Uh, let's, let's call this one Generous. All right, Generous. 
I have a little slide that describes what it means to be generous. A person showing a readiness to give more of something, such as money, time, a helping hand, than is strictly necessary or expected. Is there someone at your work that you would say that person is generous? Maybe not necessarily with money, but time or a helping hand. Are you known to be someone at work to be giving a helping hand or maybe give some time to help someone? Who's the most generous person that you know of? Think about it. Besides me. All right. I know that's what you're thinking. Um, who is the most generous person in your family? You know, that's the, you see here the, the definition. A readiness to give more of something, such as money, time, or a helping hand, than is strictly expected, or necessarily expected. Who is the most generous person in your family? If you didn't pick yourself, you should ask why, right? Why am I third generous person in the family? I believe that um, being generous is a uh, tattoo, a birthmark, um, an imprint of a believer, someone who loves Jesus is a generous person. Amen? So Paul, as we wrap it up in chapter 4, verse 14, he says this. Don't forget, he's in prison. He's writing to a Christian church in Philippi. And he's writing them this long letter. And at the end of his long letter, he's saying in verse 14, yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. They were part of his life. Moreover, as you Philippines, Philippines know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I was set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. This church was generous to Paul. Let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, help us to see what you're saying here. God, help me and us never to uh, make something uh, up uh, to twist these, uh, these messages, these verses, into something that it doesn't say. But Lord, help us to also heed, hear, and put into action what it actually does say to us. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. But Paul is thanking them for the gift. He wants to say a word or two about uh, being content and, he, and he's going to come back and he's going to talk about their gift and how strategic it was for the cause of Christ. He commends them. He commends them for how faithful they had been over the years in their giving. But I don't know if you noticed, there's something that stood out there. And I want to read it again in verse 15. 
<laughs> Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Only one church helped him out. Only one church was generous. And Paul has suffered because of that. He worked hard on being content in his situation while he's rotting in prison, but no one was sending him resources that he needed to eat. You know, back in those days, it's not like, and not just those days, uh, I went to a prison in Tumaco, Colombia. Anybody know where that is? It's way, way down southwest corner of Colombia. If you talk to Colombians, it's usually the armpit of Colombia. That's what they talk about it. If you see anything uh, drug, you know, drug confiscation related, like if you ever see in the news, every so often you'll see like a drug submarine they captured. It, it poured it out of Tumaco. That's just, that's my family heritage uh, location. All right. It just pours out. Well, there's a prison there. I wish I would have had the picture because I have it somewhere, but there's a prison there and prisoners don't get three square meals a day. They're not taken care of. You know, they don't get a gymnasium. They don't, you know, they don't have cable TV there. Uh, nothing. You know, I'm sure it's like bread and water, basically. But if the prisoner wants more than bread and water, then the family has to come and give them either the money or bring them the food. I actually saw a lady bring her husband, who was in jail, a lunch pail. Because that way he could eat. And so Paul is in the same situation. It's, I can imagine how hard it must have been for him to be content and he could do all things through Christ while he was rotting in jail for preaching the gospel. But he has this deep, deep-seated contentment and gratitude because that church came to his aid. That church, or the people in that church, chose to give in his situation. And, it was, and he compared to that, others had this potential to give and they didn't. One of the toughest things in ministry to understand is money and people's generosity. Typically, and I've, I'm a missionary, I, I, I live on partial salary from the church and uh, partial missionary status. And they always tell you this. They always tell you this. If God called you, he'll find a way to fund you. That's what we hear all the time. I think we have a couple of missionaries back there. Um, they tell us that, right? Uh, it is interesting. If you are called to do ministry, then God will fund it. Have you ever heard that before? Just raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what happened here. It's not what happens here. Somehow, somehow, maybe it's our Western way of seeing this. We assume that if God called us, then the money will follow or the resources will follow. But that's not always the case because there's other people in the equation. 
It's the, the, the person that was sent and the people that are sending. It takes a, a whole group of people to help. And we see this in, in Paul's situation. And in certain circumstances, and he's calling it out, that people were not living up to their personal responsibility towards the needs of the church. And so the mantra we always hear as missionaries is, God's work is never underfunded. But I'm not sure that's what we see here. When we look at the Apostle Paul's life, we see that he is a, a man of God who has planted many churches, who is doing the work, but he's underfunded. And I'm praying that uh, those of us who are living on mission funding, that, uh, in, you know, my friends know very well that every month is we don't know what to expect. You know, it could be a, a good month or a really bad month. I've known some really good missionaries that uh, sometimes they work as hard as they possibly could, but the funding was really low. And so it's a challenge. It's a challenge for the missionary or for Apostle Paul is, is talking about it. It's like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but only one church came to the aid. And I'm thinking if anybody who should not be underfunded should be the Apostle Paul. You would think, right? You would think if there was... If there was never, if there was going to be a missionary that would never be underfunded, it would be the Apostle Paul. We know that he wrote much of the New Testament. He um, he planted so many churches. Uh, many people would consider him the greatest missionary who ever lived, uh, breaking bringing in the gospel message of Christ throughout the known world of his day. He's legendary. He founded church after church, city after city. God used him to write, as I said, most of the New Testament, yet he wasn't getting what he needed financially. The Apostle Paul was underfunded. Matter of fact, only one church helped him. So I don't know how long the Apostle Paul lived like this, under financial duress, did he have enough clothes? Did he have enough food? Um, you know, again, in Roman jails, it wasn't like he had three square meals. But he was a godly man doing God's work in God's way. He was a great apostle. And so the headlines I would write in his newsletter is that not all ministries, missionaries, are properly funded. So I want to talk to my missionary friends here that uh, that doesn't mean that you're not in the middle of God's plan. If any of my missionary friends happen to listen, that being underfunded does not mean that you're not in the middle of God's plan. 
You can be in the middle of God's plan in your life and yet still be underfunded. Underfunded does not mean necessarily that something is wrong with you. There's another part of the equation. God's plan is for his people to be generous, generosity to grow in their hearts of his people so that they begin to fund not necessarily just money, but time and helping hand for those who are out doing the Lord's work full time. I want to share another example. Uh, I know some really good churches. And and let me just tell you, I'm preaching to the choir. Uh, Our church, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly who's funding what, giving, but for our church size, I think we have like a 90% uh, people that give regularly. That's phenomenal. But there are a lot of churches not like ours. Uh, there are a lot of churches that are Christ-centered. They're doing great ministries. They're spiritually healthy, led by good godly people that are suffering financially. And not because of mismanagement. It's not because they're outside of God's will. It's not because of uh, bad uh, financial uh, accounting. It's because the people have yet to understand their potential uh, and fulfillment in walking out God's plan to be faithful and generous. Typically, most people think it's, it's the missionary's fault. And I've thought that myself. In the missionary uh, organization that we are in, you will be taken off the field if you're not properly funded. If you are below 80% of your fu- uh, budget amount, you are asked to leave the field and you have a certain amount of months to get to that, back to that 80% line. And after a year, you don't meet that requirement, then they say, I guess it wasn't the right time. And I understand that. Uh, And we're not in the same situation as the Apostle Paul, because all of us knew that agreement going into it. Okay, so we knew that was the case going in. So it's not like a surprise. So I'm not in any way bashing my mission organization. I got that on tape. All I am saying is, just because you're underfunded does not mean you're not in the middle of God's plan. And the Apostle Paul is finishing his passage talking about this. That only one church out of many were generous. I have found that those churches who are in need financially, are not necessarily doing something wrong. I have found that the churches that are in most need face this crisis because they're doing the right thing. 
They're praying the most. They're serving the most, trying to disciple the most, and trying to create uh, a ministry where people are ministered to, whether it's inside or outside the walls. But we do have an enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And we know that Satan is real and there's true spiritual warfare taking place and there's a target on ministries that are effectively doing the Lord's work. He's all, and the enemy knows to only attack those things that are alive and attempting to do the Lord's work. And one of the best ways he has uh, in his tool belt, the enemy, is to get people distracted and to not be generous. Look what Paul says in verse 17. Now that I'm looking for a gift, not that I'm looking for a gift, excuse me, I need new glasses. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. That's powerful. Verse 18, I have received full payment and even more, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. He's being grateful for those that's people that gave him a gift. And this is what he says in verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious Riches in Christ Jesus. I am not going to make the statement, if you give, that you're going to get back a hundredfold or tenfold. I'm not talking about that. So we don't do that here. So I just want to make sure you know where I'm coming from. We've all heard it's, it's, uh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But the question is, do we really buy it? And the question is, what is it that we want to receive? Sadly, I've seen, you know, usually on television, that they're making the equation is if you give $10, the Lord's going to give you $100 back. And, and that may be the case. But I don't think that's what Paul's saying here. Paul's final point, he tells them, that what they get, gave will be credited in their eyes to the, by God in their personal life account. We say this, and I haven't said it in a while. I'm not sure why I hadn't said it. Your presence is my reward. A deeper understanding of who God is, a closer relationship with the Lord, uh, hearing his voice more clearly. I believe when we're generous, it is credited to our account, but the receiving end, what we're blessed with, is, a, I believe, a closer relationship with Jesus, a greater understanding of his word, a sensitivity to God's voice, and a way of walking in obedience more quickly. So I'm not saying if you give 10 bucks, you're going to get 100 bucks back. 
Paul is saying that what you've invested has gone into some spiritual ledger account and, and God noticed and, or heaven has noticed. And I believe God notices when his people are generous to his, his mission, to his church. Look what it says again in verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. His presence is our reward. His presence is our reward. Paul is telling them that in their giving will result in a blessing. That their needs will be met. As I've shared this over and over again, and I have to continue to, you know, not convince myself, but allow my spirit to be submitted to the word of God. The answer is not more money. Money is not the answer to my needs. Jesus is the answer. We believe that, right? That Jesus is the answer. I keep thinking of my favorite movie, Fiddle on the Roof, <laughs> and, and Tevye talks about, you know, you know, would it hurt? Uh, you know, would it hurt to, to be blessed? Uh, and I always think of that. Of course it wouldn't hurt. But we're, we're aiming not for dollars. We're aiming for a greater understanding of his presence. Paul's final words when he signs off at the very end, he says, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever, verse 20. Then he says in 21, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. He finishes up. You remember he began in the beginning of saints. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Remember, he was in prison in Rome. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit, with your spirit. Amen. And so Paul finishes his, his chapter, his, his letter here in, in chapter four, ending with a powerful challenge about two things. He ends the, the chapter with two things that all of us, I believe, can aspire to and be intentional about. Lord, help us to be content. And Lord, help us to be generous. And I don't know about you, I could use more in being content and I could be more generous. Not necessarily just money, but time and helping others in need. And so we finish our, uh, our chapter. I'm going to ask the band to come up real quick in a second, but let's pray and say, Lord, Lord, I'm going to make a commitment as I'm challenged as we finish this chapter four, that we'll be more content and more generous. Let's eyes closed, head bowed for a moment. And say, Pastor Mario, I'm raised, I'd like to raise my hand. I'd like to join you, Pastor Mario, in saying, Lord, I wanna make, I wanna be more content and more generous in this season of my life. If that's you, just raise your hand. Amen, yes. I'm raising both hands. Lord, we need you. We need you more than ever. Lord, help us in a spirit of 
discontentment everywhere. Lord, help this church, our church, your church, to learn how to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Let us help us to be content. And Lord, help us to be generous. Coworker needs a helping hand, Lord, that the Spirit would prod us to say, yes, I'll help. Or somebody, our neighbor, maybe an elderly neighbor that you see them struggling with something as simple as the trash can. Lord, Lord, help us to be generous with helping hand. A ministry, a, a missionary that needs resources. Lord, help us to be generous or give a helping hand. Lord, I say thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Apostle Paul writing this beautiful letter. Lord, help us to live it out. Help us to fly like eagles and not quack like ducks when we leave this place. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, And everybody said amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to sing our song as we end our time this morning. to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.